You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 9. Today we kick off with a special segment on the Canadian REIT sector, specifically for investors who are looking to earn passive income from, the real, from real estate without the headache of being a landlord. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we review two listener questions. The first on TSX Venture listed People Corporation, PEO on the TSX Venture, a group benefits provider, and the second on TSX listed PFB Corporation, symbol PFB on the TSX, a manufacturer of insulating building products. And in our Stars and Dogs segment of the week, we review innovative mountable and wearable camera maker GoPro. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes can be found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. If you've, you can also follow us on Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone's senior equity analyst, a father of one, and a man who is so impressed with his Canucks' improbable 4-0 start to the season, he is personally taking Trevor Lynn into dinner this evening and already planning the Stanley Cup parade route. Welcome, Mr. Aaron Dunn. Thank you, Ryan. What can I say? I'm a glutton for punishment. You may be this season, for sure. But it is nice that you're taking Trevor out tonight. Well, he doesn't know that yet, but, uh, I mean, he will when the black van pulls up beside him. Anyways. <laughs> Make sure you, you go Dutch tonight. <laughs> so we're going to start this week. Um, as investors and as an analyst myself, um, I'm always looking for great ways to generate cash returns for our clients long term. Now, there's, there is an investment vehicle out there that Aaron covers on the Canadian income stock side of our research that can allow you to generate great passive income from real estate, like we said, without the headaches of being a landlord. And who doesn't like that idea? Now, the concept of owning a condo, a second home, or a vacation property to rent out seems like a great idea, but most people have already, you know, you've heard those horror stories about uh, collecting rent from unreasonable tenants, the, con the constant maintenance, and the high price of getting into the market today. But like I said, there's a way to participate in cash producing real estate without all the hassle and that enter the REIT. Now, since you cover the sector extensively for Keystone, why don't you describe to our listeners, at least in layman's terms, what a REIT is, Aaron? Sure, absolutely. So REIT, uh, what that stands for is Real Estate Investment Trust. And the way to look at this is basically this is just a company. It's a company that owns rental properties. Um, typically large-scale rental properties like office buildings, apartment complexes, malls, plazas, that, that type of thing. So they own a portfolio. This company will own a portfolio of income-producing properties. They will manage that portfolio, and then they'll return a high percentage of the cash flow back to investors in the form of an income distribution, which is is, is essentially very similar to, to, to a corporate dividend. And what this does is it, it allows investors to gain access to uh, certain real estate classes 
Um, typically, REITs will, will focus on on one or two two of these different real estate classes, like commercial or residential, um, and it allows them to generate a, a relatively high income yield from their from their real estate investment without actually having to worry about managing a, a real estate portfolio. So they've been around in Canada for some time. They're they're in in other countries as well, um, like the United States, Australia, and and they're basically just they're 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 a good way to to add some income to your portfolio. Um, if you're picking the right REIT, then you can do so with a very reasonable level of risk as well. That's a great summary. Um, now, we're going we're gonna to start off by, I mean, you, you just completed a sector report uh, for Keystone in this segment. Um, so what are the pickings like out there in the Canadian REIT market today? Generally speaking, I think that the REIT sector in Canada is is fairly healthy right now, with with obviously some some exceptions. So we covered in this report forty eight REITs in the Canadian market, and that that pretty much is comprehensive of the entire sector. There were a couple of very small REITs that we left out just because they are they are so small, um, minimal profitability, and. Um, basically almost no trading but in terms of anything that's actually viable right now for most investors there's there's 48 REITs so like I said before they cover a wide range of of asset classes so you'll have apartment REITs um, that focus just on 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 apartment buildings you'll have retail REITs which focus on malls and plazas uh, you'll have uh, office REITs which obviously focus on on office buildings industrial REITs as well some uh, some mixed commercial REITs so they'll have exposure to some industrial properties office properties and and retail properties uh, a mixture essentially but generally speaking right now the REIT sector is 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 in, is in fairly good position you're looking at yields generally. I mean, they'll, they'll go as low as about three percent, but generally, you're looking at yields for for healthy REITs in the five to seven percent range. And one of the things that I have noticed as well over the years is that um, payout ratios have actually declined a fair bit. So if you were to go back, say six, seven years ago, you'd see quite a few REITs in the Canadian market that were paying above a hundred percent of cash flow to maintain their dividends and that is 100% or above payout ratio is 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 an unsustainable situation whereas nowadays there's actually only two REITs out of the 48 that were traded that were that were paying out 100% um, and only one REIT that was paying over 100% and that was just over 100% about 102% but you know generally we're finding the average is is right around the 85% range which is is what we would what we would consider healthy and and there, there's just there's there's a wide range of things that we're looking at out there. Obviously, with with the with the energy market the way that it is, there's certain REITs that have a lot of exposure to Alberta and other oil producing regions, and those REITs are are certainly under pressure, particularly um, if you're if you're heavy into into say the Calgary market or or whatnot. But then, but then there's also REITs that that will own portfolios in the United States, um, in other regions across Canada that are very diversified. So we see some opportunities. One thing that we have noticed is that if you look at the share price performance of REITs over the last unit price performance, rather over the last three years, there's not really been a lot of unit price appreciation in these names. So in terms of a short term. Uh, investment in terms of looking at the the sector short term, we generally tell investors, you know, buy most of these names for for the yield. There are some companies that that are growing as well, um, but that that growth in earnings might not in the short term translate into unit price appreciation. So 
in the short term, buy these things primarily for the yield. Buy something that's got a good diversified asset base, is paying a nice yield, reasonable payout ratio, and and very reasonable debt leverage. And then just look to hold it. Look to hold it for the long term. Over time, we think that that a lot of these names are going to provide very good unit price appreciation as well as as well as the the income yield. Excellent. I know from the 48 companies that you put into this REIT report, uh, you did a, finan- a seemingly a financial stress test on them. How many of them passed that stress test? And can you explain that test a little bit and what you used? Okay, so there's different stress tests that we that we performed on the REITs. But one of the most important things to think about when you're looking at a REIT, anybody who owns their own house or their own income property knows that, that debt is is Typically, it's it's an unavoidable consequence of investing in real estate because it's a very capital-intensive business. So if you buy, just uh, say, a house, you know, you're typically putting five uh, percent to twenty percent or more down, and then the rest is financed with debt. Similar situation for REITs, although they they do finance a lot more of their of their investments with equity. So you'll typically see about generally a healthy ratio is about fifty uh, percent. Um, finance with debt, and then the rest finance with with equity. So, companies that that essentially passed our our, our debt test, uh, we're we're looking at about fifty five to sixty percent of REITs that passed that. So the two things we looked at one was the um, debt to gross book value that I just discussed. There, we're we're looking in the fifty to fifty five percent range. We think that's healthy. Lower is better. Uh, above fifty five is starting to get is starting to get a little bit leverage. And then there's the interest coverage as well. So we want to make sure that um, there's a there's a wide margin of safety between between a REIT's interest payments and the um, net operating income that they're generating. so we're we're looking at interest coverage of two point seven to three times. so their their net operating income uh, two point seven to three times larger than than the interest payments. Interest is typically the the largest expense that a REIT is going to face because of uh, because of the capital intensive nature of the business. So when you, when, when you look at those parameters, um, 55% or less uh, debt to gross book value, 2.7 or higher interest coverage, it, it was approximately 60% of REITs that, that, that passed on that basis. In terms Excellent. of yeah, in terms I'll just I'll just say in terms of other uh, in terms of other stress tests, uh, another that we that I discussed briefly was was the payout ratio as well. So as I'd said before, most uh, most REITs are are covering their payout ratio, paying um, they're they're paying less than a hundred percent payout ratio, which is which is definitely something we want to see. But even even above the ninety percent payout ratio range, we we do see a lot of risk in in that. So you know we're we're typically targeting you know the eighty to ninety percent, say the eighty five percent payout ratio range, and and it was it was approximately around seventy percent of REITs that 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 passed that test as well. Okay. Now, now you had some general conclusions in the report, um, and you recommended uh, three individual buy recommendations with the, out of the forty-eight companies in there, in the REIT report. Um, the theme there, one of the themes that you had, and you, and you touched on that briefly, was companies with uh, heavy exposure to the U.S. market. You believe that's a, a theme that uh, that you want to pick up on with REITs going forward, and, and you believe it's a positive for the segment or, or positive for the companies that do have exposure to the U.S. market. Yes, yeah, I I, I don't want to get it. Look, I don't want to look at it really 
in terms of it being a theme. I, I, I am more positive about the U.S. economy right now than I am about the Canadian economy. So I, I would certainly see probably better growth opportunities down there. But I, but from what I looked at, I, I found just better fundamentals, better financials in some of the companies that um, were trading in Canada, but that, that had a portfolio down in the U.S. So what... Um, the way that we divide this report is obviously we, we discussed what, what's going on in the REIT market right now and some of the things we look at when we're researching REITs. Um, but I also, like you had just said, I made three individual recommendations in the report, one in each of our, our risk portfolios. So one conservative risk, one moderate risk, and one aggressive risk. And then I profiled nine companies from the sector that we weren't recommending, but we thought had very interesting fundamentals um, and, and, and we wanted to highlight. And then beyond that, I, I provided... Um, comments, opinions on on the remaining uh, companies that, that uh, to basically give some information on on all forty eight REITs to trade in the market. Now, what I noticed is that several of the companies in the in the highlighted section, as as well as one of the companies uh, in the recommendations, one of our current recommendations, were actually U S based apartment REITs. And it's it's a really interesting sector because I I love the apartment REIT class. I've I've always loved that real estate class. The reason why is because it, it, it housing is, is essentially, as long as it's in the right market, housing is essentially, it's, it's an essential service. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens with the economy. We always, we always need a place to live. And apartments have, have, a, have a somewhat defensive nature to them because if the economy were to contract, then potentially more people would go from owning homes to having to rent them. And if the economy does well, then, then you have upward pressure on, on rental rates. So I really love... The, the apartment class. I noticed that in in Canada there are a few companies they they tend to be they tend to trade at a premium valuation. In the states, in the U.S., we found a little more value there. But another thing that that we also found is they have got some very high rental growth rates um, in in certain areas in the U.S. Um, largely because obviously there's there's some economic growth in these areas, like say through the through the Sun Belt region. I know that uh, Texas is 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 one of the regions that that the REIT that I recommended operates in, um, but they don't have any rental rate restrictions there like we do, say, in Toronto or in British Columbia. There's no regulatory restriction on how much you can increase rent. So some so some of these REITs are, are able to, to generate some really nice year-over-year rental rate growth and generate very nice same property growth in in net operating income um, upwards of say 10 11 percent which is which is which is exceptional so it's not really just a kind of cut this short here it's not really that i i'm looking at these u.s assets as a theme i just happen to find more interesting opportunities fundamentally speaking um in the REITs that trade in in the in the that that operate assets in the u.s yeah, the, the fundamentals led you led you to that. Exactly. Really. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. That, that's what happens a lot of the time in our research. Uh, that it's a it's a very comprehensive report, and I encourage our clients to log into their uh, accounts on keystocks.com, Take a look at that. Take a look at the three recommendations there and the eight highlighted companies. There's some very interesting REITs in there. One thing I'll just say too, is, move... is, is one thing yeah. I'll say too is that, like I said, we provide comments. On, on on the financial condition and you know growth of of all the REITs in the sector. So if you own a REIT or you're just interested in a REIT, you can just basically look it up and use those comments as a reference and see what we think about that particular company. That's a very comprehensive report. Now we're going to move to our Your Stock, Our Take segment. 
Uh, this is a segment where we answer listener questions on uh, companies uh, that they listeners have in their portfolios and want our take on them briefly. The first company we're going to look at is People Corporation. Its symbol is PEO on the TSX Venture. Now, the People Corporation is a national provider of group benefits, group retirement, and human resource services. So we're going to start off by taking a look at the most recent quarterly financials. So the company reported its third quarter. They experienced tremendous revenue growth, 93% growth in revenues. Uh, the growth came from acquisitions, so about 71% of the growth came from acquisitions. 21% came from organic growth, which is a solid number for organic growth. And that organic growth is primarily, uh, primarily composed of increase in revenue resulting from the addition of new clients from the company's existing and expanding benefits consulting team and natural inflationary factors. Now, the financial results of the company reflect the acquisition last year of a company called Coughlin & Associates and the organic growth initiatives that we spoke about. There's also a partial effect from the acquisition of BPA Financial, uh, which closed on April 13, 2016, so it's part, partly in that quarter. Now, adjusted EBITDA is something we look at. Uh, it was up 61% in the quarter, uh, so that's a strong level of growth there. All of these numbers from the company were records. Now, the business on the balance sheet, it has debt levels that are relatively high relative to the equity um, for a small company of this size, but it, they are sustainable at this stage. Uh, given the growth in EBITDA and particularly in terms of the growth organically that we're seeing. It's not just acquisition-driven growth. Now, from a valuation perspective, the stock isn't cheap. Uh, its enterprise-valued EBITDA is in the range of 13, uh, which is on the higher end for a company that's this size, but not unacceptable given its growth. Uh, now, if the last quarter is typical of what we can see the company produce, Moving forward, it does offer some potential value, but again, it's not cheap. Um, at times, we believe it's good to pay up for a good company. We've been monitoring the People Corp for several years now, and we do like its progression. It's on our radar, and we consider we would consider this company uh, doing more due diligence if there was a pullback and we can get it at a cheaper price. Now we're going to look Ryan, at our second on, stock. It, you talked yep. about a cheaper price. What kind of valuation do you think with the current fundamentals? Like, what what would you consider to be uh, a more appropriate value, valuation for the company? Well, it, I mean, if their growth rate stayed where it was right now, I and mean, we we may consider buying it at the current level. It's just that it only has one quarter of that growth behind it with the new acquisitions. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, potentially, you know, in the range of a 10 times multiple, given the risk level here, given the debt and the relative size of the company. But if this company were to, you know, stay in this same price range, produce another quarter where we saw a pattern, more of a pattern that growth was going to be at that level and organic growth was going to be, you know, in the 20% range, uh, then, you know, then it, it does have value at 13 times uh, EBITDA here. But this company does have you know, a bit of a history of lumpy quarterly results. So we'd like to see a more consistent track record. And then we could give you a, a better idea of a multiple that we'd like on the stock. But you know, a pullback of 10 to 20% would really put it in a range where it would get far more attractive. Interesting. So we're going to look at a, another stock here. And Aaron's going to take that. It's again, uh, your stock, our take, another listener 
sent in a, a company. Uh, I'm going to let you take that one, Aaron. Excellent. So the company that I'm going to talk about here is PFB Corporation. Symbol is PFB. From the website, they manufacture innovative, high-quality insulating building products and technologies for residential and commercial structures, which are highly energy efficient. So this is this is basically insulation, uh, a proprietary insulation product. Uh, they they label themselves a green product company due to the high efficiency of their particular product. There are some good fundamentals in this name. Their strategy going forward is to grow revenues to 200 million from the current run rate right now of 100 million, and they plan to achieve this by focusing on on more expansion into the U.S. market. Revenue from U.S. operations increased from 17% of total revenue in 2011 to 32% of total revenue over the last 12 months. This is a very tightly held company. A management and insiders own 71%. That is, uh, that is a very high insider ownership. Uh, the company also pays a dividend and yields about 3%. For the second quarter of this year, revenue was up 4%. Earnings per share, on the other hand, were, were, were down 19%. A year to date for the first six months of the year, revenues up 6% and earnings per share down 20%. Looking back, there's been some very solid growth over the last three years. Operating income grew from almost nothing in 2012 to 1.4 million in 2013, and then grew to 2.6 million in 2014 and to 8.2 million in 2015, last the last full year reported. According to the, the financial report, the big increase in 2015 was the result of a 10% increase in sales to the U.S., which was partially driven by devaluation of the U.S. dollar um, and also attributable to uh, the profit growth is also attributable to lower raw material costs and a better product mix, which uh, increased, increased gross profit mar margins. Previous to 2011, the company, previous to that, that three years of really strong growth, the company did exhibit more volatility in financial performance, which we would expect given that they do sell a product that is dependent on the construction sector, uh, cyclical industry. There are some good things to note about this company. The profitability is strong. There appears to be some proprietary, proprietary technology in their product, which we like to see. And they're also reasonably valued at a price-to-earnings multiple of about 13 times. Debt levels on the balance sheet are also perfectly reasonable. We, like, we, we, we love companies with high levels of management and insider ownership. In this case, 71%. That actually might be a little bit too high even for us, um, just because it leaves only a very small float for investors to trade on the public market. But still, I mean, it, it certainly shows you that management and insiders are aligned with shareholders. My only complaint really about the company right now from a financial perspective is that the earnings momentum from the last three years, so far it's not carried over into 2016. What's been happening is that the U.S. segment is continuing to grow. Revenues are up 60% this year, um, but this was, this was offset somewhat by weakness in oil-producing regions in BC, or in, in Canada, sorry, in, in, in Western Canada. Um, as the U.S. segment continues to grow and account for a higher percentage of overall revenue, we would expect to see the strength in the U.S. market offset the strength in the Canadian market and then, and then the company to continue growing overall. We, we, we like what the company is doing, but we do consider it a high-risk name, both because it's a small company with low trading liquidity, very few shares available, and also because it, it operates in, in a cyclical industry. Um, but but they, they do definitely have they do definitely check a lot check a lot of the boxes that, that we that we look at and we're not, although we're not officially recommending it here, you know 
for a very small position in the in the risk capital section of your portfolio, it, it has some potential. That's a good overview. Now we're going to look at our stars and dogs segment. We're going to start off uh, this week's dog. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's dog. This week's dog is GoPro. Uh, the well-known developer of mountable and wearable cameras and accessories in the U.S. and internationally. These, this former market darling has taken a beating in recent years. Now, year-to-date, the stock is down 17%, and over the past 12 months, it has been basically cut in half, down 49%. It is also down 82% from its all-time highs. Now, there are some positives here to the story. I mean, I like the product. The company recently made some new product launches. Uh, they introduced the Hero 5 Black and the Hero 5 Session camera, and they also introduced their first drone camera known as the Karma. Now, the company has a very strong balance sheet with no real debt. The negatives here are that although revenues are increasing, income has been declining over the last three years. And the company really produced negative EBITDA over the past 12 months. So valuations, which are very hard to calculate given the fact that uh, there's negatives on the balance sheet uh, or on the income statement, sorry, they're very high. Uh, GoPro, in my mind, was a great idea, but the visibility and popularity of the product really took the stock to extreme and unrealistic valuations as the consumer electronic business in which it competes is very competitive. Now, GoPro is somewhat similar, in our opinion, to the fitness device manufacturer Fitbit, which is also a public company that's seen its share price decimated in recent years. It offers electronic goods that are likely to reach a demand ceiling or be obsolete by new technologies from other companies. Um, to that end, or what's more, GoPro now faces big competitors in the market in the form of Sony and Garmin. Now, while the stock will likely bounce around with new product announcements, probably uh, with a level of volatility that only a GoPro camera can properly capture, we believe the best days in terms of market highs are well behind this company. And that earns GoPro the title of this week's dog. You know, one thing that, that I, talking about the, the profitability, the, the EBITDA earnings before, interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, negative over the past 12 months. So, that, I mean, that essentially makes it uninvestable for us. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Well, that's, I mean, that's why it fits into the dog list. And that's why I think you've seen the share price just uh, completely plummet over the past several years. And uh, while, you know, it, it has that solid balance sheet, it's eating into it over time. And uh we, we wouldn't want to rely on a company that's not creating, you know, good, solid free cash flow over time. This company isn't near that right now. I was just going to say, Ryan, that there's uh, that be- before we end here, there's a saying that I, that I often hear about companies that are market do- darlings. And that's that, you know, companies that, that have gone up a lot have a tendency to keep going up. And, and I, I always chuckle when I hear about that, because the, the flip side to that is sometimes they also have a tendency to absolutely explode. <laughs> and go down so um obviously this is this is an example of that yeah i mean it looks to be an example of i mean it and fit but really if you look at their two charts over the past three years and competing in that very tough consumer electronics space 
perhaps both pioneers in that segment, but there are uh, competitors that come in and and, and really uh, can emulate your product, copy it basically over time, uh, who are specialists in electronics manufacturing that really just shrink the mar margins in the sector long term. And, and that seems to be what's going on with GoPro right now. Um, and we would not be buyers here at these prices, even though the fact that it's had a tremendous drop in the share price. It's not hardware is a tough space. It's a, it it's, it's a tough is. space. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that will do it for this week. That'll wrap us up. Uh, again, we encourage you to uh, go on and, uh, and sign up to our podcast on, uh, on our RRS feed or uh, on our uh, podcast at SoundCloud. Um, profitable investing to all of you out there. Profitable investing.